The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning and welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm your host, Mary McKenna, in for Kelly Scanlon. We want to welcome our sponsor here at Smart Companies Radio, Kelly Warner Law. To learn more about Kelly Warner's internet defamation and trade libel legal practice for entrepreneurs and professionals, head on over to kellywarnerlaw.com forward slash infographic. That's K-E-L-L-Y-W-A-R-N-E-R-L-A-W.com forward slash infographic. You can also, and it's much easier, click on the logo right there on our website at ithinkbigger.com. We have an amazing guest today. She's just a little dose of dynamite, and she's an author, a speaker, uh, a success coach, and some people call her a muse to genius. Many people know her, though, just as Dynamite. Dixie Gillespie is our guest. She's been recognized as a premier business coach and consultant working with entrepreneurs. She's the author of a book called Just Blow It Up, Firepower for Living an Unlimited Life, and a companion book to that, Doses of Dynamite, Firepower for Capturing the Inspiration in Everyday Things. She's also had her success stories featured in books such as Go Giver, Sell More by... Bob Burke, I think we've all heard that name before, and the referral engine by our own John Jantz here in the Kansas City metro from where we originate the show of Duct Tape Marketing. So let's welcome her to the show, Dixie. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Mary. I'm thrilled to be with you this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about mentoring, and then a little later in the show, we'll talk about how we have walls. We all have walls that uh, obstruct our dreams, and people have dreams just sometimes can't figure out why they can't reach them. Well, maybe they need to blast through a few walls, and that's why Dixie's here to help us set up some blasting. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is, and you know, it's, it's funny. I'm a very visual person, and I find a lot of entrepreneurs are so can't is such an ethereal, conceptual, easy thing to say, right? Even though it's not really a word. It's a contraction for cannot. So I always tell people, yes, that's a choice. You can or you cannot, but forget about can't. But um, when I started talking about those can'ts as bricks in a wall, they get really tactical and, and, and um, really want to get rid of them. So, so it's kind of a, a, a fun way to picture those, those blockages that we really put up for ourselves. Nobody else can really do that. We, we absolutely do. We, we put them up for ourselves. Now, I saw you speak one time in regards to the word can't, and you were talking about a road trip to Alabama, and I thought that was just mm. a wonderful story. Would you mind sharing that with us? Of course not. It's a wonderful story for me, too. And it's funny because I wrote the book after doing that presentation many, many, many countless times. And that story was not originally part of the book draft. And then I was asked to present. It was Martin Luther King Day. And we had a gentleman here who does radio in in St. Louis who does a 
beautiful delivery of the I Have a Dream speech. And so they invited him in to deliver that right before I was to go on uh, for the keynote. And I tell you, it's hard to get up on stage when you're trying not to cry (laughs) because he was dead on perfect. And so I was inspired to tell the story of um, traveling to Alabama when I was a little towhead. My father uh, was actually an over-the-road truck driver Um, had his own van, and he took my mother and I with him. I was a late baby. They were in their 40s when I came along. So their life dream had been to travel, and they didn't let me stop them. So here we are going to Alabama in like 1968, maybe, 67, 68. Um, And I got to take one baby doll for each trip. The truck bed isn't large, so you don't get to take your whole, you know, all your toys. You get to take one doll and a few books. And I did it by rotation. I was very democratic at that age. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was Lily's turn to go. Of all my dolls, it was Lily's turn to go. Now, Lily was the most adorable little black baby doll you've ever seen. And I, I adored Lily, and I was so glad it was her time to her her turn to go with me, and I got to take Lily on that trip. And I come in with my choice of books, and Lily tucked under my arm, and my daddy says, "I am not." taking a blonde girl and a black baby doll (laughs) to Alabama. And I, of course, have heard the story so many times, and nobody really talks very much about my response. I'm sure it was dramatic (laughs) because my character hasn't changed much in all those years, and I don't take no or can't very, (laughs) very easily. So I'm sure there was a major, major fit thrown even at that time of the morning. I'll bet there was. Oh, but I, I could not understand for the life of me that I, you can't do that. And, of course, later I understood it wasn't can't. It was that wall of circumstances that I talk in the book. You can't safely and responsibly in 1967-68 go to Alabama in a moving van where most of his moves were military and many of them were African-American families. You don't do that responsibly. It, it not only wouldn't have been safe, it would have been insulting. So I came, you know, in later years to understand that he was absolutely right. You know, that, that wall of circumstances was very real. Under those circumstances, it was a really bad idea. Yeah, but at the but time. <laughs> at the time, you know, little baby dynamite me was furious. <laughs> you work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and we're going to talk about that book here in just a little while, but let's talk about mentoring. As everyone knows, or at least we're all told, uh, the uh, pundits in the industry insist that you must have a mentor. It's really, if you're going to start a business, if you're going to launch something, you need somebody to, as a go-to person, who's not necessarily going to be your yes man or yes woman. Mm-hmm. And you have... Uh, done a little research and have come up with five steps on getting the most out of your mentor. And we'd like to go over some of those today. I mean, you have uh, mentored many people, taken them under your wings, and uh, it's a way of giving back, but it's also a way of staying connected. And then those people go on and become successful and do, do likewise. But let's talk about your first Step, or I shouldn't say step, but just observation. Statues look good on pedestals. <laughs> you know, as many of my articles, especially for Entrepreneur, because I, I write weekly um, for Entrepreneur, it, they tend to be a little counterintuitive because I figure you can find so much other advice elsewhere. You don't need me telling you what you already know. So I kind of look for what what I suspect people aren't thinking about. Um, and you're right. I, I have, ever since I was 
you know, in the sixth grade, you know, taking third graders under my wings. I consider having people under my wings an investment in myself as well as in the world and universe at large. So uh, mentorship is, is really precious to me. It's a, it's a precious relationship. So when I wrote the article, Mary, I was really thinking about what makes that relationship of most benefit to both parties um, so that not only is it of benefit to the protege, but so that the protege is having the kind of experience that prepares them to be the best mentor because it, it really is investment and reinvestment. And as you know, I worked with Bob Berg, so it's always that flow of giving and receiving and, and value exchange in my mind. It's got to be someone you respect. Absolutely. When you choose so a mentor. That's the difference. That's exactly that first point, Mary, is it's got to be somebody you respect. But when you put them on a pedestal, that's not respect. That becomes worship. And you really don't get much out of that relationship. So you absolutely have to respect them. But when you're idolizing them, putting them on a pedestal, you really can't see yourself stepping into their shoes, not in your profession or, um, you know, your chosen path and not as a mentor. So it really blocks the, the primary benefit of having a mentor. Number two, beware the roadmap that doesn't allow for alternate routes. You can't be too stuck in your ways. Yeah, and and part of that is a caution to the mentors as well because we have a tendency to think that when we take some someone under our wings and kind of guide them down the path that we've gone, they're, they're going to need to do it exactly like we did. And sometimes if they're very much like us, it will be very much the way that we approached it. But the truth is, if you have a mentor that's insisting, I did it this way, so you must do it this way, they're already putting brick walls up for you. Because the way that they did it may not be natural for you, and it may not be your best path. So any time that a mentor lays out a roadmap and says there's no other way to do it, it's probably time to to move that relationship away from mentorship into friendship or whatever, but, but to move on to another mentor. And imitation is not flattering. I always thought it was. That's what they always used to say. But apparently, according to your third step, it's not. No. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, it, in small ways, maybe I, I can see where that cliche comes from. But when you're imitating in a way that isn't authentic, then you are are making a mockery in a way of whatever you're imitating, and you're not being yourself. So, um, as a mentor, I don't want anyone to imitate me. Bob Berg puts it very well. He says, "Adapt, don't adopt." Or, you know, another way that I've heard it said is to emulate, don't imitate. Mm. So you're, you're, you're wanting to, to create the same kind of results, but we really, as mentors, we, we want you to be you. We believe in you, not your ability to be us. Well, that dovetails right into the next uh, thing that you mentioned, which is uh, the access that you have to the information uh, that the uh, the business plans and the things that the mentor might make available to you it's not it is it is access and they're doing you a favor and it doesn't mean you can steal from them <laughs> and so often you know the the real caution there is and this happens between 
you know, thinkers all the time, is that you don't even realize that you're doing it. I mean, if you take somebody's business plan, um, you know that you have done them a wrong. But so often what happens is a mentor will explain something to you, and they're using their conceptual ideas, and they're using their words and, and their packaging for something. And it's so easy to pick those phrases up and kind of adopt them as your own instead of adapting them to your own message and to use them as your own. Um, it's not, not surprising and it's, you know, it's no big deal, but it's still a, a word of caution that we often see our words show up in somebody else's book. <laughs> well, that happens more often than anybody would care to, uh, care to admit, I suppose. And when do you know to call it quits or, or at least not to necessarily be the mentor and the mentoree, but to just be friends? You know, there comes a time when the path that they're on isn't the direction that you want to go, or there comes a time when um, you're, you're really, have outgrown them. No one can mentor anyone in everything. You know, we, we don't have, seldom, I won't say never, because there's no can in this, and I do have a few people that are always kind of in a mentor relationship in some aspect, but, but for the most part in business, we go to a mentor for a specific type of help. You know, I've had people that I mentor in writing. I have people that I've mentored in business development and so on. And once you have uh, gained that or even outstripped them in that particular area, by all means, they're, they're always your mentor and that you're always going to look up to them as the person that helped you achieve what you've achieved. That's part of that respect. But stop going to them for that. Because it's frustrating for them if they can't provide it. It's frustrating for you. You're not going to get it. And it's time for you to take someone under your wing. And it's time for us to take a quick break. And we'll do that and be back in just a few minutes. We're going to blast through some walls. And it might require a stick or two of dynamite. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. And we'll be right back. A lot of people who listen to this show are small business owners and entrepreneurs. And legal representation is critical. And it's critical to have it before you need it. But if someone defames you online or off, find a defamation lawyer as soon as possible. Not doing so could inadvertently ruin an otherwise solid claim. Kelly Warner Law caters to people like you, entrepreneurs. One of the top internet law practices in the country, the attorneys at Kelly Warner have mastered the art of online reputation maintenance. Since opening their doors, Kelly Warner has helped more than a 1,000 businesses and professionals with all manner of trade libel and business defamation situations. More than just a client advocate, Kelly Warner's website is a resource for internet defamation news, tips, case studies, and statutes, both domestic and international. To read up on the legalities of online defamation law, head to kellywarnerlaw.com, a boutique law firm that delivers big firm results and better for a fraction of the price. Kelly Warner works with clients across North America, Europe, Australia, Canada, and Asia. To learn more about Kelly Warner's internet, defamation, and trade libel legal practice for entrepreneurs and professionals, head on over to kellywarnerlaw.com forward slash infographic. That's K-E-L-L-Y-W-A-R-N-E-R-L-A-W dot com forward slash Infographic. You can also click on the logo on the IThinkBigger.com website. Interested in growing your business? 
Thinking Bigger Business Media has the resources you need to grow your company to the next level, whether it's an aspiring business, a startup, established, or mature. Thinking Bigger provides the how-to strategies, critical connections, and key information to make your business more productive and more profitable. Check them out at ithinkbigger.com and find out what successful Kansas City business owners already know. Thinking Bigger Business Media is the resource for growing businesses. Visit them today at ithinkbigger.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Robin with Small Changes, Big Shifts. I'd like to invite you to join me on Wednesdays at noon on my show so we can give you some tips and some ideas that will inspire you to reconnect to the good that you already are. You know, it takes all aspects of life to really live a whole life. It's not just about one thing. I'll be sharing my network of friends around the country with you that specialize in health and wellness from all different aspects, whether it's mental health, physical health, or emotional health. So join us Wednesdays at noon on Small Changes, Big Shifts. You never know what little thing will help shift your life. Welcome back and good morning. I'm Mary McKenna in for Kelly Scanlon today at Smart Companies Radio. Our guest today is... Dixie Dynamite Gillespie, and she's written a book called Just Blow It Up. We talked about mentoring in the first half of the program. Now we're going to talk about how you put walls up as obstacles in your own life. And it, it really is us, isn't it, Dixie? It's not somebody else. It's, pe- it's you, me. When we say I can't, it's because we constructed a brick wall. You know, as adults, absolutely. You know, in the first half, you asked me to to tell the story of of you know what I what I think of as the baby dynamite of not being allowed to take my little my little doll to uh, to Alabama. Certainly, when we're children, other people make choices for us. But from that point on, we are really making choices for ourselves. And and I know. Um, you know, people say, "Well, my boss makes choices for me. My spouse makes choices for me." You know. It, those are our limiting choices. But the truth is that as adults, we, we allow that because of our priorities. Um, one of the, what I call blasting caps, is to really look at do I have permission and to do a permission audit. You know, where are you giving other people permission to limit your life? Um, and sometimes that's appropriate. You know, if you love your job and maybe have a boss that isn't uh, letting you do your work the way you want to do it or, or letting you advance the way you want to advance, then you've given that boss and that employer the permission to limit your choices, but you still did it. Well, let's talk about diagnosing our brick walls. How do you go about doing mm-hmm. that? You know, it, it was when I started doing this work, Mary, it was interesting. Um, one of my protégés actually challenged me, which was wonderful. He said, how many types of can'ts do people throw up? You know, people say, I really want to do this, but I can't because he said, what are all the different ways that they express that? And it was a great challenge. I, I filled a good part of a notebook with, you know, I can't because I'm too old. I can't because I don't have the education. I can't because, you know, whatever the can't because was. And I started grouping those into, um, you know, kind of like statements. And I really, we only have basically four types of can't statements. We have four types of brick walls. So it really helps to recognize what kind of brick wall you're dealing with. And the first one we kind of talked about is the brick wall of circumstances. So one circumstance, you know, my dad couldn't responsibly say, yes, you can take Lily to Alabama. It would have, he, we could have done it physically, logistically, we could have done it. It wouldn't have been wise. So sometimes circumstances create can'ts. 
Um, sometimes circumstances will change on their own. If you're saying, I'm too young, you know what, that's probably going to change if you stay alive long enough. If you're saying, I don't have enough education, you can change that. It won't change on its own, but you can change that. On the other hand, if you're saying, I'm too old, you're going to have to change the rules or you know change, change your approach because that's probably not going to reverse itself, not in any technology I'm familiar with. Um, you know, I kind of laughingly say, some people say I'm not blonde enough. You know, you, you can even change that. So the, the brick wall of circumstances, you look at that and you say, what are the circumstances that are preventing me from doing what I want to do or becoming what I want to become? And what do I need to do to change those circumstances? The next one I call the brick wall of style. And I always bring up Bob Berg because... For years, I have presented on the go-giver as, as the master go-giver um, coach. And so I, I kind of use the illustration that if I said, well, I want to present on the five laws of, of stratospheric success from the go-giver, but I can't do it the way Bob does, I would that would be absolutely true. Bob is bigger than life in every respect. His energy fills a room. He is a marvelous presenter. He's always you know perfectly rehearsed, dead on. That isn't my style, and that isn't my my presence. Um, I, I like to think mine is maybe a little softer. I I don't know, if, if, <laughs> but, uh, but certainly I'm not the bigger than life, you know, um, presenter that Bob is. So that would be style. But it's not true that I can't present on the Go Giver. I've been presenting on the Go Giver since shortly after it was released. So um, we often look at, and this goes back to mentorship. Often we look at somebody who's a mentor to us. We say, well, I can't do what they did. You know, back to that, there's more than more than one uh, way to, to reach your goal and, and don't accept a roadmap that doesn't include alternatives. Um, if you have to do it the way they did it, you probably can't do it that way, but you can do it your own way. So you start recognizing your belief system around how you have to do it and realize you can do it your own, your own way with your own style. Um, the third one is, I think, in a way the toughest because I call it the brick wall of consequences. Hmm. It's a belief system that says if I make this choice or if I move forward with this plan, there will be consequences. And it, well, there are always consequences. You That's know, true. Good, good bad, or otherwise. Yeah. Road, right? yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's the Robert Frost thing, you know? There were two roads. I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. That's a consequence. It's an opportunity cost. If you go one direction, I work with a lot of people that are kind of at a crossroads, can't, can't decide which way. To, I, it's almost more like a roundabout, you know, they're, they're going around and around. It's like, I want to go a direction. I, I haven't chosen one. And a lot of times that is because they have a brick wall of consequences because they know once they choose a direction, the other directions that are open to them when they're going around and around in the roundabout aren't open to them anymore. That's scary. So that can be, well, yeah, but that can be scary. <laughs> it is scary until you accept that it's inevitable. It's funny how when we see something as just the natural law, the natural way of things, kind of like gravity, that opportunity cost and consequences of choice is kind of like gravity, then we can focus on making the best choice instead of focusing on all the things that we're going to lose by making any choice. Well, and you hear that from uh, entrepreneurs, people who are starting a, a, a new company, who are currently working in a job where they say, uh, you know, eventually I'm going to do this full time and I'm going to mm-hmm. own my own business. But taking that leap is a huge leap of faith and it's a big turn off the roundabout. Yeah. 
It is. It's it's always well, you know, that's the thing is any any turn off the roundabout, any change in our status quo is big. Um and, and that's once you understand that anything I do has consequences, then you can get very strategic. You can get down into the logical process of choosing a direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that that doesn't have its own challenges, but it, it, it at least gets you in uh, a plan stage. You know, I love your website. I think bigger. Um, but one of the things that I, I always tell people, I love Dream Bigger, Sometimes we have to think really small. We have to think next steps in little tiny increments. So there's a time to really think big and dream big and and look at the big picture. But sometimes when you're needing to get off that roundabout, it's it's time to think even smaller, you know, next step and next step. Well, what did they say? It's, you know, how do you eat an elephant one Mm -hmm. bite at a time? I don't care how successful your mentor, you know, has become or what kind of pedestal you've got somebody on. I guarantee you, you know, they say they put on their pants the same way in the morning. They also eat an elephant the same way, one bite at a time. They may have trained themselves to take slightly larger bites, but it's still one bite at a time process. Um, so, you know, that, that consequences is really a tough one because that's a deep, the ingrained belief system that has some truth to it. And you have to weigh out what consequences are acceptable. You know, we call them the non-negotiables. What am I not willing to risk? What am I not willing to give up? What am I not willing to do without? So with my clients, I go through a process of of defining the non-negotiables and then analyzing against that. That's really, really helpful once they accept that there are always going to be consequences. Now, which ones will I accept and which ones will I not? And then that final brick wall, I don't know why things come in groups of four, but typically they do. Um, that final brick wall that I've defined is, is really the brick wall of design. And so often, you know, we get so deep into the planning stage and the design stage, especially for our business, but sometimes also for our life, that any deviation from that plan is seen as failure and it's seen as a can't. And the truth is, we, we have to be true to our vision. John David Mann said it so well in a conversation with me. He said, anybody can have a vision. That's easy. Holding the vision. No, that's hard. <laughs> and he's so right. It's holding that vision, but being very flexible about the detail. So basically, everything we want is within our reach. And especially nothing we want is out of our reach if we're willing to continually redefine what it is that we want, you know, people say, um, I can't fly. I get challenged with that a lot because they, they know that I have a fascination with, with flight. And my answer to that is, well, what do you really want? Do you want to transport your physical body from A to B through the air? Buy a ticket. Get a pilot's license. You can't too do that, you know. <laughs> or do you want the sensation of your physical body moving through the air? Well, you know, you can paraglide. You can. There are all sorts of ways to accomplish that. Now, if you mean I, I can't grow wings and just start flying, or you know, start levitating and soaring through the air, well, I've yet to see anybody do it. But that's not the only way to fly. If people want to get a hold of you, if they'd like for you to come speak, you're a dynamite speaker and author, obviously. How do they reach out to you, Dixie? Well, I always say Facebook is home away from home, so you can pretty much, you know, as ironic as it sounds, that's where I interact a lot because my clients and friends are all over the world. You can always find me on Facebook, but my official home on online is DixieDynamiteCoaching.com. 
And the book is Just Blow It Up, and you can get that from the website, I assume, and uh, from bookstores as well? Yes, um, actually, and you can you can get the first first little snippet for free through the website. So if you want just a, a sample bite, that's available. Dixie, we, we thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you, Mary. I've enjoyed it. No end. And if you'd like to find out more about us, visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media and on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.